let's just dive into the scriptures. Y'all are right with the scriptures today. I want you to turn your Bible with me here to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. And let me just share just a few moments this morning. I've entitled this message, The Dynamic Church. The Dynamic Church. Okay? And so, let's pray again right quick. I, I've been accused of praying a lot, so I want to just make sure I'm praying a lot. Come on, we value prayer, don't we? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for all that you've already done in this service. It's been such a beautiful service, Lord God. Lord, here are just a few moments we got remaining today. Lord God, I just pray that you help me to just impart what you want imparted to us as a church today. Father, with our family that's watching online, Lord, may that same anointing and presence that we feel here right now in the sanctuary, may it be transferred just right there into the homes or wherever people are watching today. People that are watching clear across the world today. So, Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, open our eyes for us to see what you want us to see. Open our ears to hear what you want us to hear today. And Lord, help us to apply this to our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said with me, amen. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And as I shared just a few moments ago, uh, leading into Eugene's uh, uh, ordaining there, we are in a new season. And every time I pray about, God, what are you doing and what do you want to do at Victory Center Church, the Lord takes me back here to the book of Acts. It's in Acts chapter 2, just an absolutely incredible book, because it's amazing to me, one thing about Acts, if you know the story of Acts, what happens in Acts, it's, it's, it's an incredible story if you put it really in the context of where we're at here today. You've got to realize it's in the book of Acts that we see the power of the church just begin to explode. But you've got to also realize this is just what happens just after Jesus, the leader, has now taken away to heaven. It's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where he says, go tarry in Jerusalem there. He says, I'm going to give you power. You're going to receive that power. It's in the first part of chapter 2, we see the Holy Ghost come. Come on, how many of y'all love the Holy Ghost in this church today? Amen. We see Acts chapter 2 come, the Holy Spirit comes. Verse 4, they begin to speak in tongues. Man, just incredible move of the, of the Lord happens there. Peter steps up, preaches a message, a man that was intimidated prior there when Jesus, you know, at the crucifixion of Jesus. But he stands up and preaches. But we see in these last few verses of Acts chapter 2, what takes place in the church, the, the, the genesis of the church as we know it today. In other words, the way we do church now, this really goes back to Acts chapter 2. Because before Acts chapter 2, guess what? When you came to church, you was bringing your animals and you were sacrificing the animals. How many of y'all glad you didn't have to bring your little lamb to church today and Margaret stand up on the stage and slaughter that thing as a sacrifice? Amen. I'm glad we're living in this dispensation we are today in the New Testament times. So we see this, and I want you to see it with me again in Acts chapter 2, because this just fascinates me when I read this account of the early church. Starts out in verse 42. Follow along with me. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I'm in the New King James Bible, and it says this, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Verse 43, then fear came, not, not, not like I'm scared of what's under the bed fear, but a holy reverence is what this is referring to. A, a reverence, a holy fear came upon every soul. How many? Come on, every soul. And many wonders and many signs were done through the apostles. Signs and wonders. Miracles took place. Come on, how many of y'all know God is still in the miracle working business today? Amen. Verse 44, now all who believed they were together, had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods. They divided them among all as anyone had. In other words, they took care of each other. Verse 44, 44. And they continued daily with one accord. Come on, one accord. Not talking about a Honda here, but in unity, right? Some of y'all get that about lunchtime. With one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. Look at this. 
And the Lord added to the church, what? Come on, help me out, church, what? Come on, the Lord added to the church daily, daily those who were being saved. Now, let me ask you a question, Victory Center Church. How many of y'all want to see that happen here in Guyman, America, in this region of Oklahoma, that there are daily people getting saved, not just on Easter weekend? Come on now. Come on, I love something Nate said, man, every weekend ought to be Easter, right? Celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, what he did for us. I love that, those few verses here because I see that the church, man, it wasn't, they just didn't come and have a Sunday service. I mean, they had a passion for Jesus. That first part of it says they devoted them, excuse me, they remained steadfastly. They continued steadfastly. NIV and Amplified, the other translations of the Bible. Really simplify it down to the simple word devoted. Everybody say devoted. 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 Let me define devoted for you. De- de- devoted means this. It is the state of being dedicated consecrated or solemnly set apart for a particular person purpose. That's what devoted is. Now, as we look at this passage of scripture, we see that they were devoted. They were devoted to four things. Okay. I'm going to get that to that here in just a moment. But these people, they were devoted. Let me ask you, are you devoted today? Don't, don't answer that yet, but just let me ask you, let that question just kind of sink into you. How, how devoted are you today? Are you devoted like the early church was? Now, we see, I believe, that in the early church, we've seen signs and wonders took place. Anybody want to see signs and wonders take place today? Anybody want to see signs and wonders and miracles take place in your world? Come on, I think we all do. We long to see that. Come on, I want to see us lay hands on the blind and they see, not just spiritually, but, but physically. Anybody with me here? Come on, anybody want to see somebody come in lame and they leave walking in Jesus' name? Come on, anybody want to see marriages healed today? Come on, anybody want to see bondages fall off people? I think we all do, right? Well, as I look at the book of Acts and these few verses that I, we've looked at, I have to ask myself the question, was that simply just a sovereign move of God or did something take place in the early church that, was, that set an atmosphere for the power of God to flow? In other words, was it sovereign or was it something that was a result of what they did? I can't help but to think that there was simply a, the, the latter part, I believe, yes, in the sovereignty move of God, but I believe that God will move at any time he wants if the atmosphere is right Amen. in that. Amen. You know what I'm talking about, atmosphere? In other words, we can go over here to the back walls of this. Like, I mean, you can't. Ushers will. Let me clarify that. And you can adjust the temperature on the thermostat. You know, if it's a little warm for you, you can go down and kick it down to 65. And what will eventually happen? The temperature, the ambient temperature in the room will eventually match what the thermostat has been set to. You can do that at your home, right? Or vice versa. So I can't help but to think because of the disciples' devotion to those four things, it was like sitting the thermostat that it got to the place where there was energy in the room that God said, I'm ready to move now. What do you want the ministry of Victory Center to look like? Do we want to see that? Do we want to see Victory Center being like the book of the, the church in Acts? I don't know about you, but I want to see that. Come on, I want to see the multitudes. Sorry, Siri, I'm not talking to you right now. So we've got to turn Siri off right quick, all right? So I want to see God move in that same way. You know, the church that we read about in Acts, what started out, what they tell us, was about 120 people in the upper room in a matter of 12 weeks turned into 50,000 believers. Come on, how many of y'all know that's God moving mightily? Amen? But let me tell you, if we want to see that happen in this region of Oklahoma, you know, I don't know if there's 50,000 people in this region of Oklahoma, but there's several thousands, right? 
If we want to see God move, there's a responsibility that you and I carry. Look at your neighbor right and tell them, you've got a responsibility in this. So let's, real quickly, let's just look at this devotion. What were they devoted to? What were they devoted to? Number one, there's a devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the apostles' doctrine. You remember that where it said in Acts chapter 2, verse 42? The apostles' teaching, what is that? Let me tell you what it was. What were they teaching? Come on, they were teaching the Word of God. Come on, how many of y'all love the Word of God in this place? Amen. If there's one thing that I love about Victory Center people is y'all honor and esteem the Word of God in this place. Uh, yesterday morning, the men's breakfast came out, enjoyed a great bacon and eggs and sausage gravy, biscuits just right, man. Come on, just a sea law moment right there. Just come on, guys. How many of y'all know it's good to be a guy? Right, yeah, come on now. It's good to be a guy. But there's one thing, as we talked about stories, I just hear this, it's about the Word of God. Last night, we had a dinner uh, honoring the board members and the staff members and their spouses, and uh, we, we took a moment, we talked about, what's your story? How did you end up at Victory Center Church? And almost every one of them said, I, there was a longing to know more about the Word of God, and the, the, the teaching that was coming from the pulpit at Victory Center Church is what I needed in my life. That's what brought so many people here, the teaching of the Word of God. Now, how devoted are you to the Word of God? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, in the Passion Translation, just listen to this, unless you got the Passion, we'll throw it up on the screen, it says this, for we have the living Word of God. Come on, everybody say, I love the Word of God. So we have the living Word of God, not the dead Word of God, but the living Word of God, which is, listen to this, full of energy. Come on now. And it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. Listen to this. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. What does that? The Word of God. we got to have the Word of God. Give it first place. Read it. Memorize the Word of God. Come on, look at your ear and ask them the question. Do you love the Word of God? I believe that loving the Word of God and esteeming the Word of God is what sets this church apart. Not that we're better than anybody else, don't get me wrong, but what makes Victory Center unique is the love for the Word of God in this place today. The value placed upon the Word of God. How do you know if you're devoted to the Word of God? Well, here's a litmus test for you. What comes out of you when you face a challenge? Oh, poor me. What's going to happen to me? No, if the Word of God comes out of you, that shows me that the Word of God is priority in your life. Kind of reminds me of a story I heard about this couple that started coming to a church one day. They decided to get to know the pastor better. They invited the pastor over to lunch. They had lunch, had a wonderful lunch. They brought out the best silverware, the best place, the best all they could. They fed the pastor. The pastor, after they got done, he went on home. The lady got to cleaning up. She turned to her husband and said, oh my goodness, I cannot find this, my favorite spoon that I gave the pastor to use. I think that pastor stole my spoon. And she was all worried about it. And she let that thing dog her for a lot. About six months later, she finally said, talking to her husband, we got to find out, this is bothering me that the pastor stole my best spoon. So they said, well, let's invite him back for dinner again and let's confront the pastor. Did he steal your best spoon? So sure enough, the pastor went over the house, sat down there having a meal. Lady said, pastor, I got to ask you a question. This has been bugging me for six months. Man, when we had you over six months ago, I set out the best place, the best silverware, and I gave you my particular best spoon. When you left, I could not find my spoon. Pastor, did you steal my spoon? Pastor looked at her and said, no, simply, I just took your spoon and I put it in your Bible right there on the table. <laughs> Let that sink in for just a moment. <laughs> Was there a value in that home with the Word of God? No, because if she would have valued the Word of God, she would have opened her Bible and seen the spoon. 
Amen. Do you value the Word of God? It's easy to say in a Sunday morning service, whoo, yeah, I value the Word of God. But are you living it? Are you using it? Are you reading it? Are you meditating on it? Amen. How devoted are you to the Word of God? The second thing we see here in the Scripture that the early disciples were devoted to, they were devoted to fellowship. To, fe- to fellowship. This is the Greek word that's used here, kononia. And fellowship. Now, come on, how many of y'all got some friends in your life? Anybody got friends? I'm not talking about Facebook friends. Come on, how many of y'all friends on Facebook? That's not true friends, right? Yeah. Kononia, it's the Greek word that means this, social intimacy. Intimacy. Let me just address that for just a moment. Intimacy is not a, it's not a sexual term, though it's used in that. But intimacy, I love the way Tammy defines it. It's basically into me that I allow you to see. When we think about relationships, we're really good about putting on the fronts, putting on our smiley face. We come into church on Sunday morning. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. You may have just had a knockdown, drag out fight with your wife or your kids. Come on, intimacy is dropping the walls, social intimacy. See, the early church just weren't friends, just weren't casual friends. They knew each other. See, Jesus was asked the question by a man that was trying to figure out his walk with God. He asked him, what's the most important thing? If I can just get one thing done, what is that? You remember what Jesus told the guy? He said, if you'll just love God and love people, you'll do good. In fact, he said, loving God and loving people, he said, that's everything that the law and the prophets, everything of the word and the scripture, the prophetic and the apostolic, they all fall upon that, loving God and loving people. Well, pastor, that's two things. No, that's one thing. Because you can't love God if you don't love people. In that, amen? So the early church was, was dedicated to what? Fellowship. Real fellowship is much more than just showing up at a church service, people. It's really experiencing life together. Do you know we're living in a time? Now, last night I was talking about our leadership meeting that we had leadership dinner. And a high majority of those that are in leadership here today are here because of the teaching of the Word of God. But you know, times have changed. Now, in fact, uh, uh, statistics tell me that only 10% of people that come to a church and stay come because of the preaching. Now, I'm kind of offended by that, but I'm yet overjoyed by that because I'm the one doing the teaching. You know why the majority of people come and stay at a church? Because of relationships now. Relationships. So you can get all the preaching you can get right now with, the, with YouTube, uh, social media. Come on, you can get preachers that are a lot better than Brad Mendenhall. I'm not going to say Margaret Mendenhall because she's really good. <laughs> you can get preachers. But you know what keeps people connected to a church? It's usually the fellowship right now. It's the relationships that are built. See, this is where I'm saying this gives a lot of responsibility upon us as a church, upon you as a church. Man, I want to challenge you. Don't just blow in and have a certain, sit in a church service and blow out. Come on, take time to get to know somebody. Find, build relationships. Amen? In fact, if you're sitting around somebody that's close enough to you that is not your wife, that's not your family, look at them and say, man, I kind of like you. You're pretty cool. Come on, find somebody to tell them that. If you're close enough, tell them, you're, you're all right. Now, I noticed not a lot of y'all did that. Maybe we need to practice that a little bit more. Amen? Look at this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Ephesians 4.16 says this, from whom the whole body, joining it together by what every joint supplies. Everybody say, every joint supplies. I'm not talking about marijuana, okay? (laughs) Every joint supplies. Every joint supplies. Listen to it out of the Passion Translation. So it's for his body. Come on, whose body? Jesus' body. It has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as what? 
Look at this. Has, and has every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And all these gifts operate effectively through the whole body that we are built up and made perfect in love. Tyler, come help me out real quickly. Run up here real quickly. Come on. Every joint supplies. What is a joint? When you think about the body of Christ, the body of Christ is made up of a whole lot of parts, right? Come on. You're those parts. So a joint is what? You think about it, you're joining your leg, your knee joint. Why is it called the knee joint? It's because where bones come together, it's because the joint. The joint is a union of two different members, correct? So the Bible tells us that every joint supplies. In other words, there is a supply in the relation, in the joint of the members in this. Here, step up here so people can see us a little better. You're not, I'm, I'm not as tall as you. So. But in other words, the strength of my physical body is found not necessarily in my bones, not necessarily in my muscles, but if I've got a bad knee joint, how many of y'all know I cannot operate the way I should, right? So the strength of my physical body is found where? In the, in the joints. This is what Paul's saying here in Ephesians. He says there is a strength, there is a supply that comes, not necessarily from the individual members, but where the members come together. The strength is in the joint. This brings a new meaning and understanding for me for this physical body of Victory Center Church to be healthy and whole. We can love God, great. But if we're not joining together as a band of brothers and sisters and strengthening this body, the power and the strength comes not necessarily from what's in the pulpit, not the songs we sing. The strength of the church of today comes from us together as the body of Christ. And if I go, you know, Tyler, he's 90% okay, but I don't know, that 10%, you know. Golly, you know, he's married to Callie. You know, what I'm, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on, if we're not loving each other and esteeming each other, the joint is weak. And it's the whole, whole come on, y'all remember Red Rover, Red Rover? Come on, where's all my Red Rover-ers? How many of y'all were champion Red Rover-ers? Why would you champion Red Rover? Because you knew where the weak links were, the weak joints were. The stronger the joint Excuse me, the stronger this connection, the strength is in the joint. Amen. Thank you, Todd. Come on, give him a big hand. Amen. Come on, each one of these I could dive in. Let me just give you these last two real quickly. Last two, and then we're going to be done. Number three, they were devoted to the breaking of bread. Come on, how many of y'all like food? Come on, how many of y'all are glad we believe in the full gospel at Victory Center Church, if you know what I mean? Amen. Acts chapter 246, again, he says, you know, not only did it say they were committed to four things, but again, in verse 46, it says this, so continuing daily with one according to the temple and breaking bread from, ooh, from where? House to house. Now, I don't have time to hang out here for a few moments because I'm just about done. Breaking of bread. Some translation will say the Lord's Supper. Now, we do the Lord's Supper. We observe communion here the first Sunday of each month, right? But you got to understand something in the context of what uh, he's writing here, the, the writer of Acts here, Luke is telling us in this, the Lord's Supper was not a little piece of cracker and a little shot of grape juice. In the Lord's Supper in that time, they assembled in houses and it was an event. They had a meal and then they observed the elements of communion. So when breaking your bread of communion, this thing, in fact, if you, if you don't agree with that, you can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where the Apostle Paul is correcting the Corinthian church when it comes to observing the Lord's Supper. He says, because some of y'all, man, you're getting gluttonous. You're, you're overdoing it. You're overeating, and you're forgetting about the lost. And the, lost uh, the lost don't have anything left. Now, I don't know about you, but you cannot overeat with a little piece of wafer and a little shot of grape juice. Come on now. 
So this was an event, breaking bread. But there's something I want you to see here. I believe that there's something we see in this principle of breaking bread with one another that is an atmospheric change that creates the presence of the power of God because we need each other. This is just a little bit deeper than just having fellowship. When you break bread with people, let me tell you, there's intimacy in that. And let me say this, communion, breaking your bread, when you bring Jesus into the center of your relationships, that is a powerful dynamic. Come on, in marriage, you've got to have Jesus as the center. Threefold cord's not easily broken. But in relationships, we've got to have Jesus too. Amen? Fourth and final thing is this. They were devoted to, anybody know what the last one was? To what? Prayer. To prayer. To prayer. Come on, the church that prays together stays together. I guess that's more marriage, you know. The home, the family, however you can apply that. So how important is prayer to your life? James chapter 5, verse 16, I love this. It says this, the Passion Translation. Of course, it starts out there confessing and knowledge how you have offended one another. But it goes on and says this, for there is tremendous power. What? Tremendous what? Power that is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. How many of y'all love God today? Come on, how many of y'all love God today? Do you love God? Are you passionate about God? Well, let me tell you, there is a power that's released as you and I commit to prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is simply just communicating with Jesus Christ, having a conversation. Prayer doesn't have to be formal. It's just opening your heart. Back in 1 Thessalonians, it says to pray without ceasing. I don't know if you ever tried that before. You can't sit there. You cannot have an, a, a, a perpetual prayer meeting in a formal setting. But this is what I do know. I can live a life of prayer. Then when I'm in my truck driving, I can have a communication with God. Come on, how many of y'all know you can, you can have prayer in your, in your car? Come on, you can have prayer in a truck? Come on, if you have a Ford truck, it's a little easier to pray? No comments after service on that if you do. Please. <laughs> but so let me ask you the question. Are you devoted to prayer? Are you more apt to complain about a situation or do you start praying about the situation first? I know I shouldn't have said that. Because we're very much like to complain, complain and criticize. This is, this is my advice to you. Never complain about somebody until you prayed about it first. In fact, I'll give you permission to complain if you'll pray about it first. Because you know what happens if you effectively pray about it, God changes your heart in that. Amen. I can't, you know, the been married for 33 years to this incredible beauty here on this front row. Tammy up here, 33 years. Many of y'all was here when I got married here on this stage. Longest ceremony in history of Victory Center Church, man. Hour and a half. My dad wanted to make sure we stayed together. We are still together. Yeah. But early on in my marriage, and this was my prayer. Lord, change Tammy. Lord, make her do what I want her to do. You know how came the realization was? I needed to draw a circle around myself and work on everything in that circle. Because when I started praying, Lord, help me, things begin to work out better. Amen. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.